Is the legacy, do you think, Barbara, the legacy of Madiba, is that still in dispute? In dispute? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that there is, I think younger generations maybe are not as enamored with the way things were done. I, I think it's, I think the context is maybe not understood because mm. people weren't living in the, in the times. I think that it was the right yeah. move at the time sure. um, for the transition that we went through in the way that we did. Um, and I can feel the energy is a bit different now. Mm. People are quite critical, but I don't think, I mean, having lived in that time, I think it was, it was amazing. I think what he did was yeah. very, I think it is rare to and handle I, I, it the way that he did. I'm, I'm seeing it in the public utterances. I'm seeing it in his sonar speeches. And then things yeah. came adrift. Yeah. Okay. Let's go oh, to what's trending. Barbara Friedman here to tell us about things trending on social media. Yeah. Um, and this, this first is a very is complicated. I'm actually spinning my brain, trying to like, I didn't want to come on here and actually say the wrong thing. But the Concord is trending, and this is after yesterday's landmark judgment on the electoral Electoral Amendment Act. We know there were two issues that were taken to the Concord yesterday. The one issue one, and that was the issue taken by activist movement One South Africa OSA, who were arguing that independent candidates were unfairly being restricted by the enormous amount of signatures required for them to be able, able to stand. So it was between 11 and 14,000 signatures and they were saying this is putting barriers to people being able to, to do this and the the court has struck that down to a thousand signatures. So someone like Zaki Ahmad, who we know is one of the few independent candidates standing this year, I mean, in this next election, he will now no longer have to get as many signatures in order to be put onto the ballot. Yeah. So that and, and a lot of people are very happy about that. They're saying that is going to really in open uh, takeaway barriers. Other people are saying that the reason for that number was that you don't want everyone standing and we're going to have a ballot paper a mile long with all these independent candidates who are just standing for whatever reason. The second issue which I find very hard to get my head around is the one that wasn't that did not uh, win in, in this court case and that is about so there are going to be three ballot papers prepared for this next election which I don't know somehow I didn't understand all of this and the one is um, the 200 national uh, national seats in the National Assembly 200 uh, party, seats. party seats and 200 regional uh, that come from parties and elect and independent candidates. Okay. Okay. So you, as an independent candidate, can only fight for 200 of the 400 seats in the National Assembly. I'm, I really do not, I'm not explaining this well. But so if you win one, more than one, how are you going to occupy both seats? Well, how would you anyway if you're one human? Yeah. And so the court is saying it's a reasonable, uh, that the the national, the the parliament who came up with this amendment, this electoral reform, that it's reasonable what they're suggesting. Other people, um, in the Independent Candidates Association of South Africa, who went to the Concord, are saying they don't think it's fair. They don't think independent ca candidates will have as big a bite of that apple. And they were asking for a three fifty fifty split. And I, I'm, a, I don't understand. I've really been reading every article before I came on air to try and understand this. Um, but I think if you are going to get like so many millions of votes as an independent, maybe you need to form a party. Mm. Maybe we should try and get 
clarity. There have been a couple of people on our radio station since yesterday and I've listened to the interviews and I still don't understand it. And I would love us to have the, the, the ultimate explainer on this. Well, Amy and Walid have just taken it up as a, as a mission. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I did laugh at some of the, 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 the posts online, which someone was saying, um, it was actually Constitution First was posting and saying, oh, goodness, you know, we've already got new political parties launched uh, in the past few months, the Marius Fransman Party, the Karl Niehaus Party, the Shembe Church Party, the Ace Magashula Party, and I was laughing because I thought, in a way, those have launched as political parties, but they really are around one person. Yeah, which is more of a you know they were making a joke. I'm about really worried about the camp. process of, of voting as well. I mean, I often go in three the- ballot papers. Yeah, I go in there. It's a strategic vote for me, so it's not where my heart is at. No, it's where for my most head of us, for most so of us, I spend time there, in that booth. But <laughs> if I can't understand exactly what is going on here, I mean, can you imagine people? Oh. I mean, not because I'm so clever, but just because I'm trying. You know, whew, these three election, these three ballot papers, uh, three ballot papers, two ballot papers for you putting people into the national assembly. Um, I can't even explain this to you. I'm giving up. Yeah, You're going to find out for us. I think it's going to be difficult standing in that queue waiting for people to come out of that booth. Uh, so maybe maybe just make your mind up. And I guess some people are there absolutely clear on who they're going to vote for. Going and you know, as somebody in one of my colleagues in my office said to me, like he, the reason he wouldn't vote for an independent candidate is that he doesn't think that is power. You know, that you need to be part of something bigger to to have power and I said but a lot of people feel at this point in South Africa we want a voice there that's mm. going to say the things we want to hear yeah. and, fi- and, and, and fight you know with that voice yeah. but I get that in terms of the electoral system one seat can't it can't win change yeah. because you, you're not going to get the votes and I've been so busy canvassing for change I'm like, okay, be careful what you wish for. I know. What is this change that is actually on its way? But yeah, maybe we should be drilling down on mechanics. I think so. Absolutely. So that's interesting. Concord trending. And then I'm going to close my ears. Close my eyes. Are you rat phobic? I'm kind of phobic on multiple levels. Six-legged, eight-legged. Okay. I'm just phobic. So that is also why I thought I'd talk about this because I don't think rats have the best rep. And I think most people just don't want to see a rat ever. But this is a really interesting story that was picked up by the New York Times, and that is that this rare giant rat has been photographed alive for the first time. Um, and this is on the Solomon Islands, on one of the Solomon Islands. Uh, for years, the indigenous people of Vangunu, um, on one of the Solomon Islands, has insisted that this critically endangered giant rat could chew through coconuts and it still lived among the trees of the forest, so its numbers had dwindled due to loggers destroying the habitat. But it had never been documented before. I think maybe people or scientists didn't entirely believe them. But it turned out the people of the village of Zaira were correct. And now um, scientists who've gone there have actually captured photos of the Vangunu giant rat. And it is one of the world's rarest rodents. And Vangunu is the only island that it is known to inhabit. Wow. And um, it's twice the size of a common rat at about 18 inches, half of which accounts for its tails, uh, tail. And I just thought that was really interesting. I know everyone goes when it comes to rats, but hey, they're animals too. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting when you can imagine that there are probably these myths and legends about these giant rats on the island. No one's ever quite believed them. Yeah. And so now they've had proper sightings on camera of these 
And um, is it part of the local diet, maybe? Oh, do you think so? I don't know. Well, people tell me the, the, people cane, do eat the cane rats Yeah, are, that's true. Uh, yeah. Researchers changed the kind of bait they were using, and eventually they um, they changed the bait from peanut butter to sesame oil, and a few days later the rats began to emerge. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. Sesame oil. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so um, this is a way to fight anxiety, I guess? Yeah, I know this is a TikTok story, but I did like it because it actually, first of all, made me pucker my lips, but I, I just thought it was so interesting. So a TikToker went onto her TikTok and posted a video where she explained, it's had over 2 million views, she explained that her therapist told her to eat a warhead. I don't know if we get them here, but it's basically a huge sweet that is so sour that it actually blows your mind with its level of sourness. I don't know if you like sour sweets. I do. Yeah, me too. But the warhead, I think, is one of those ones that you've got to be like a serious contender okay. to keep in your mouth. Um, I don't know what the equivalent would be here, or if you can get them here, maybe someone knows. But her therapist told her to eat a warhead whenever she feels a panic attack coming on. The woman said nothing has taken her out of the throes of her panic attack faster than eating this notoriously sour candy. And it turns out that therapists say it isn't a totally bad idea. And it is definitely truth and science behind eating a sour or spicy candy to ease anxiety and panic panic attacks, says one mental health counselor. And um, it's a pretty good therapy hack. And apparently because it's explained, because it takes your brain so, it, it forces your brain to focus on this thing so totally. Your brain has to focus on dealing with this crazy level of sourness. The therapist says because the brain can only deal with one emergency at a time. <laughs> so in the presence of a warhead suite, it will move on from the panic attack. And this therapist that was interviewed said, it's true. She keeps, she even keeps a jar of warheads on her office desk for clients to take with them for that reason. Panic ensues when our amygdala triggers the flight or fight response. And when eating something sour or spicy or promoting a grounding technique that encourages you to focus on the present moment and it stops the spiral of fear and communicates to your brain that you're not in real danger, allowing the panic attack to subside. And I thought that is, I actually am going to get some sour sweets. Not that I have major panic attacks, but I just thought it's worth trying. Yeah, I'm just reading up about warheads. <laughs> Created in 1995, it's the malic acid apparently, um, but also the citric and the ascorbic acids that are quite hectic. So if you suffer from panic or anxiety attacks, get yourself some very sour sweets and give it a try and see if we're right. The acids in these sweets make them even more deadly when you oh. eat sour candy. The high acidic content oh. can damage your tooth enamel faster than other types Okay, let's let's, let's keep let's keep that in mind then. Don't overdo this. Rather that than anxiety. Okay, hack. but don't overdo the hack. <laughs> Absolutely, as always. <laughs> okay, thank you, Barbara. For